Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Right, welcome everybody to today's podcast. My name is Stefan Brink. I'm a finally medical student here at the University of Pretoria. And today we're speaking to Professor Martin Brand on how to approach um, the ward patient. So, Prof, uh, what are your priorities when you see a patient on a daily basis in the ward? What we need to remember is that each patient is different and they're in the ward for a different reason. But in general, we see that the patient is improving, that the clinical pathway is going in the right direction. And if it isn't, we need to figure out why so that we can prevent the patient from becoming more ill. So what I would always say is look for subtle signs that something may be going wrong. Always keep in mind that why the patient is there. Have they had an operation? Are they waiting for an operation? Are they waiting for the antibiotics to be finished? And with that in mind, that's how I would normally approach a patient. How do you start the examination then? For me, the examination begins before you get to the patient's bed. So while you're walking in the ward towards their bed, cast an eye over them. Are they in pain? Do they look ill? Are they sitting up chatting with their neighbor? Is this different from what was on the last ward round? And if so, is it for better or for worse? So in other words, if they were well yesterday, but today they look like they're in pain, why are they in pain? And that's what your clinical examination needs to find out. Always greet your patient. Ask how they are. Have their symptoms improved since you've last seen them? Ask them if their family has visited. Ask them how breakfast was, if they're allowed to eat, of course. Create a report with them. Show a genuine interest in your patient and in their well-being, and it will go a long way to developing your patient relationship. If you've never seen them before, you must definitely introduce yourself. Tell them why you are there and what you're going to do with them. Tell them that the usual doctor has told you all about them, and then proceed to ask them questions about how they are feeling. Always be friendly and courteous, even if you're under time pressure, if you're in a rush to get to theater or to go do endoscopy or wherever it is, always take a bit of time with your patients. While I'm doing this, I always observe the patient, their behavior, their body language. This speaks volumes about them. A simple example is a patient who's hiccuping. This might be a benign sign that someone's just hiccuping, but it could also be a sign that a patient has a subphrenic abscess. In the appropriate scenario, you need to exclude that. So be observant, be vigilant. What do you do after you've started the conversation? I always start by examining the patient. I find that by jumping straight into the nursing observation file or into the doctor's notes, you break the patient rapport that you've developed by greeting them in the introduction. So if there are any drainage bags, I usually start by looking at them, look at their content, what is the color, what is the nature of the fluid, is this what you expect to find in the drain bag? Is the drain bag full? Because if it is full, it's unlikely that it's been charted in the OBS chart when you go eventually and have a look there. And then when I start really examining a patient, I usually start by examining or palpating the radial pulse. And I do this for two reasons. One is that it's an easy, non-imposing way of initiating a clinical examination, especially in a patient who's shy or intimidated by your white coat. And the second is that I use it to correlate with a vital sign chart. When you examine the pulse, see if it's regular, if it's fast, does a patient have new onset atrial fibrillation, for example? You won't get that out of the vital sign chart. Is the pulse's character, is it weak, is it thready, or is it strong and bounding? Because this gives you information about the patient's fluid status. I will then move to the area of pathology by asking the patient if I may have a look at either their cellulitic leg or their abdomen, whichever the case may be, and why the reason the patient's in the ward. If something could be painful, 
Ask the patient if it is sore and if it is worse than the day before or if it is actually getting better. Never jump in and palpate the area straight away. I always start by an inspection. And if there is cellulitis, see that it's better or if it's worse or the same as the day before. If there's abdominal distension, has it improved? And always start by a gentle examination. Never dive deep into a patient's abdomen because they're always going to jump out of the bed. Always start away from the site of where you expect the pain to be and then move gently towards it. If you need to auscultate, you can. And always remember why you're examining and what you are looking for in your examination. By the end of your examination, you should have answered that question. Now that you've examined the pathological site, Prof, what's next on your agenda? Once you've completed a pathology-specific examination, I usually go and do a general examination. So I would auscultate the whole chest, especially the lung bases, and here I'm looking to exclude atelectasis or the beginnings of a pneumonia, and this is really in the elderly patient or the patients that have been in the ward for quite a while. Examine the calf muscles and make sure that there isn't any signs of a deep vein thrombosis. If they've got drips, always examine the drip site to make sure that they don't have cellulitis. And same if the patient has a central venous catheter, make sure that the entry site of the skin is also nice and clean and not infected, because this can quite easily become a septicemia if that's the case. If the patient's been in bed for a very long period of time, then one has to examine the pressure sore sites, especially the sacrum. And so this will maybe require that you roll the patient or ask the patient to move so you can have a look. Once you have completed your clinical examination, what is your next step? So this is where I go and have a look at the file. I usually start with a vital sign chart and I look at the last 24 hours. And here we are looking for trends as well as gross anomalies. So in other words, was the temperature constant and were there any spikes? What is the heart rate doing and does it correlate with the temperature and the blood pressure? And is it in keeping with the patient's condition? I also have a quick look here to see if the heart rate matches what I'm counted when I did the rail pulse. And if it's not the same, why is it not the same? Is it because the patient has atrial fibrillation or is it because the nursing monitor was incorrect? Or am I incorrect? Go back and check. I then move on to the fluid balance chart. If there's drains, what is the drain output over the last 24 hours? And always go and compare it to what it was before. If it's increasing, ask the question, why is it increasing? If it's decreasing, usually that's a good sign and you're on the right track. Same with urine output. If the patient has a urine catheter, check what the urine output was. Is it the amount that you expect? Is it too little? Is it too much? What does it compare to the previous 24 hours? If the patient is taking in orally, see what they ingested. If they're supposed to take a diet and they didn't, then you have to ask the question, why did they not eat? If they're given fluid intravenously, how much fluid were they given and were they given the correct fluid? So for example, if they're prescribed ring as lactate, but they're actually given normal saline, you have to wonder why. Is this an error in the prescription chart or is it because the nurses hadn't checked correctly? Assimilate the information from the vital sign chart and the Belfic chart. Are they expected? And if not, always ask why not? For example, if the patient was supposed to eat didn't they, and they didn't eat, is it because they're feeling ill? Is it because they're nauseous? Or is it just because they really don't like the hospital food? Ask the patient. Never just scan over information because you can always miss subtle signs. Know what you're looking for and you'll see it earlier and maybe even prevent a complication from developing. If the patient is on a sliding scale for their blood glucose, is it corrected? Are they well controlled? If it isn't, why not? Is it because the patient's not getting the correct medication? Or is it because they're becoming septic and the sepsis is playing havoc with their glucose control? 
And then I move on to check the blood results, the culture results, and any other re reports that came out in the last 24 hours. But always stop and think. Assimilate all the information. Is your patient heading in the right direction? Are the results as you expected? And always ask the question, if not, why not? Is there something that needs to be done immediately? And does the treatment need to change? Right, Prof, then what about the prescription chart? So the last thing I'll usually do once I've gone through the vital signs and the, and the rest of the chart is to look at the prescription chart. Even if the patient's been there for a while, never assume that it is correct. Read each medication. Is it still indicated? Is it being given at the correct dose? If, for example, your patient has developed a renal dysfunction, then some of the drugs may need their doses to be adjusted. Go ahead and adjust them now, otherwise you may forget to do it later. If the patient's on antibiotics, is it the correct antibiotic? Can you de-escalate the antibiotic because of a recent culture results? Has the course of antibiotics been completed? Always consider these things. Is there deep vein thrombosis prophylaxis prescribed? If not, does the patient require it? And if so, prescribe it. And also always remember that many of our patients are on chronic medications. And once they're able to eat and drink, have these been prescribed and have they been prescribed correctly? And make sure that your patients also not taking their own medications from home on top of the, the medications that's been given in the ward. Once I've gone through all the charts and the recent results, the second to last step is to write clear, concise, legible notes in the patient's file. Always start with the date and the time and the most current diagnosis. Never ever write as above or ISQ. It's very irritating because it doesn't actually give information and anyone who comes after you then has to page back in the file and often information is missed or the incorrect diagnosis is picked up. So take your time, make sure you write down the right diagnosis. Write down the vital signs at the time that you are there and summarize your previous 24 hours happenings. Add pertinent results as they appear. So don't just rely on your flowchart. If there's something abnormal that's significant, write it into your notes as well. So this really highlights the fact that you've picked it up and you're gonna do something about it. Document your clinical findings and then always write a plan for the next 24 hours as well as into the future. Write your name legibly and then add your pager number or your hash number or your cell phone number as the case may be. The last thing is always to tell the patient how they are doing and what the plan is going forward. Tell them if they're allowed to eat. Tell them if they're going to go to radiology for an intervention or if they're going to go to surgery. And tell them the findings of your clinical examination. The patient wants to know what is going on with their condition. And then always give them an opportunity to ask you questions. And if they've asked important questions, always write them down that this has been discussed with the patient in the file. All right, Professor, then what are your take-home messages for the listeners? Always be friendly with the patient. Remember, they are sick and they're often very scared. There's very few people who intentionally want to be in hospital and enjoy the experience. Devise your own system that includes all that we've covered today and apply it every day to every patient that you see. It will eventually become second nature to you so that you eventually don't even think about it. You just do, you'll do it and you won't miss a step. Observe your patient, their body language. This always gives a lot of information. And then finally, Write adequate, clear notes. Never skimp on this. Do it properly. No matter how busy you are and where you are working, take your time and write proper notes with a proper plan. All right, thank you, Prof. Brand, for today's discussion and thank you to the listeners as well. We hope to see you soon uh, for the next podcast. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM.
Visit www.taxfm.co.za for young, fresh and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series where we shed light on common surgical topics.